This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. Edmund Burke, the member of the British Parliament responsible for introducing the legislation that would outlaw slavery across the British Empire, said, The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. It took Edmund Burke some 17 years to get the bill passed, and upon doing so, he said, Ah, well, wait a minute. Well, that's not what he said. I'm telling you to wait a minute. Stay tuned to the show, and at the end, for my food for thought, I'll share with you what Edmund Burke said. And if you are like many of us who desire to do good, leave this world better than we found it, and are looking for a bit of significance to go along with the success we're achieving, then I want you to stay tuned. Because today, we have two young people who decided that they were going to make their life count for good and impact their communities, and they weren't going to wait. Let's take a quick break, and then we will have the opportunity to meet Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom, two young women who've been helping to feed their community since they were 12 years old. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. And as promised, Jerry, our guests are in studio, Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom. So um, we talked a little bit about you in the monologue and opening segment. So we are so honored to have you here in the WJR studio. So thanks for making the trip down and welcome. Thank you. I thank you for having us here. We're really excited. Well, great. So we want you to just uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the work that you're doing and why you're doing it. And I'll let you guys trade that off how you want to. Um, and uh, again, thanks for being here. So tell us about the name of the, the work and uh, how it got started. Yeah, okay, so um, Addie and I are co-founders of Meeting the Need for Our Village. Um, it is a soon-to-be nonprofit, hopefully, um, that we started in 2014 as 12-year-olds. Um, it first started um, when we were volunteering at a local food pantry, and we decided that we wanted to do something um, to help the food pantries and help um, members of our community. Yeah, um, since our Co-founding in 2014, we've really um, expanded to make a $60,000 impact in the community. Um, that's by donating 10,000 pounds of meat, 2,800 gallons of milk, 300 pounds of cheese, 300 dozen eggs, and about 300 pounds of produce to several food pantries in our area. So we're very proud of that impact and very excited to continue. So tell me, I mean, so first of all, that's incredible. Thank right, you. that's incredible. I mean, that's a huge amount of work, and it's food that people want and need. And so, I'm imagining that when you were working with the pantries, you must have seen something that made you go, "We have got to do something about this." Can you share what that is? Absolutely. 
when we were about 12 years old, we started volunteering at our local food pantry and we um, would help pack boxes at Revive Ministries. And we noticed that while Revive does a really good job trying to make their boxes well-balanced and properly nutritious, the protein sources were things like cans of tuna, jars of peanut butter, cans of beans. And meanwhile, in our freezers at home, we had lots of um, homegrown meat. In fact, freezer space is sort of a problem sometimes for us. So we recognized that we had that privilege and that we had skills in being farm kids to raise meat and decided to take those skills and make an impact on our community. So thus, meeting the need, and it's not obvious, it's M-E-A-T-ing. And so I think that's so clever and creative and thinking about the unique gifts and things that you have to bring to this work. What I mean, we heard from one of you. Now let's hear from the other one. What did you see or, or can you add anything to that? Yeah, I think um, like what Addie said, we we really we started out volunteering at, at our local food pantry, and that's really what sparked it. Um, and yeah, like Addie said, the the food pantries do a very good job about trying to balance the meals and trying to get um, the right amount of food in, you know, from each of the food groups and everything. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes funding is an issue, you know, especially for um, purchasing protein. That's something that is expensive for the food pantries and. For, for us, for everyone. Um, and so that was one thing that we realized that, like Addie said, we could help with. That was something that um, we knew that we could raise animals at our own, at our houses, and we could donate that to the food pantry. And that's something that we really felt empowered to do. And so that's what we did. That's amazing. I mean, now I got to get into raising animals at your houses. So do you give them names? <laughs> It depends on the animal. I don't tend to name the chickens because there's so many of them, (laughs) but I'll... I'll name them, yes. And then do you, as they're growing up, do you say things like, you are going to be so important to this community? I mean, you know, I just want a little insight into what is it like raising these animals? I mean, and knowing, okay, this is where this is headed. Yeah, often I have um, about 100 chickens in my barn per year that end up, um, between 50 and 100 that end up donated to the project. Um, and that's every day taking care of them, um, you know, make, managing their bedding, make sure they have lots of clean, dry bedding, constant water access, constant feed access. Um, I, I, I really enjoy raising chickens especially. And then sometimes um, we'll have feeder steers in the barn, sometimes pigs, sometimes even lambs and goats. Um, sort of depends on the year. So I got a... Um I'm blown away here. So could you give me the name, the the list again, uh, Addie, of what I mean, I I started writing and I also like 10,000 pounds of meat. And then can you do that again, Brent? Because I'm slow, but I'm worth the wait. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. So $60,000 impact in the community through 10,000 pounds of meat, 2,800 gallons of milk. Wow. Uh, 300 pounds of cheese, 300 pounds of produce. Did I get everything? Cheese. And how oh, many eggs? 300 dozen eggs. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, I raised a football player, and I think even he'd be happy with that. Right, yeah, you did. 300 dozen eggs. Yeah. So let's think about that for a minute. I mean, wow. So I want to send the next segment to to just touch on... Um, something that you guys said uh, early on and said we we were volunteering 
at our local food pantry when we were how old? 12 years old. 12 years old. Yes. Because I'm going to probably say that you and I were not thinking about volunteering when we were 12 years old. I'm going to say, I think you're right, Doctor. <laughs> so extraordinary, right. extraordinary young leaders here, Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom. They're our guests here on Food First Michigan. And uh, they're going to be back with us for another segment. You come back and be with us, too. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with uh, Jerry Brisson in our WJR studio. Our guests today, Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom, the founders of Meeting the Need. How do you spell meeting? (laughs) M-E-A-T-ing. The Meeting the Need in Our Village. Um... Not not for profit. So that's coming about for you. But I want to take you, before we look ahead, let's look back for just a little bit. Because you guys said you were 12 years old and you were volunteering. Um, what, what brought you to be so aware of yourself and need in your community that at 12 years of age you wanted to give back? Yeah, I think... Um Heidi and I, we both grew up in rural America. We've always lived in rural communities. And I think um, because of that, we really learned from a young age that um, some of the two most important things in your life is agriculture and your community. And I think over the years, we've learned that... um, that community can look a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to people taking care of each other um, with the resources that they have. And so I think that was something that Addie and I both learned from from a young age, and that was something that we were really passionate about, and I think that's what sparked our interest to volunteer. So do you have all, you have openings at Gleaners? In fact, <laughs> I am going to ask, where are you going to college? I know that's coming up, but we'll yeah. save that for later. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Addie, what about you? What what what's the what made this bubble up and out of you? Yeah, absolutely. I have grown up in a family that that values um, community and and taking care of our own family and our community family. Um, I think one of the best examples of that is uh, my family adopted my two younger brothers through foster care. Um, my youngest brother actually came to us at 19 days old, so all of his complications were fetal. Um, my older brother... Um, lived with his biological family for long enough to suffer from malnutrition. Mm. Um, and I've seen the lifelong effects that that has on on his cognitive development, on his physical development. Um, he has a few chronic illnesses that, that are a constant battle. And having seen what malnutrition does to a child right. um, has inspired me to do my part to make sure that that happens to no other children. I told you. Didn't I tell you? Yep. I, I told you cry. they were a phenomenal. You knew I was going to cry. Is that what you're <laughs> yeah, talking about? I, I, I knew they were going to get you. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, that's so much of what motivates everyone in this work. You know, it's about meeting people and knowing people, right? Mm-hmm. And once you once it becomes part of your life and you really see it, you can't 
help but be affected by it. What a, a powerful example you're setting about what do you do when you see suffering in the world. And obviously there's a lot of things you could choose to do, but to, to say, you know what, I'm going to choose is the path of making a difference because this doesn't have to happen to the next person, right? And if we work together in these ways, that's such a powerful message. Certainly to me, I'm feeling it personally, right? It redoubles my energy and enthusiasm for what I can do and what I need to do. And I'm certain that's exactly how our listeners are feeling right now. And how long have you been doing this work? You know, a long time, right? It's it's over 30 years of working in providing basic needs relief for our community. And so, um, and I certainly have been in the pantries many, many, many times. But, you know, every story reminds me of the first story in my own history. You know, when you first see somebody who's suffering in this way, it's something that reverberates with every new story, right? And that's why it's it's inspiring to to hear the story. Painful. Painful, sure. But but it doesn't end there, right? It, pain can be the beginning of something really good, too, and in this case, obviously has been. So, yeah, you know, a little well, preachy on my part, but I can't help it. It well, moves me. It moves I, me well, in that amen way. Amen over there, brother. So, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's it's like the, you're, both your stories are so powerful and uh, set such a clear and great example. So, we just say, I, I think probably the, these words don't weigh enough, but I think from Jerry and from me and all of our food bank network, we'd say thank you. We'd say thank, thank you. you. Yeah, we we love doing we love doing this. We love working um, with the food pantries and with the youth in our community. And it's something that we that we really enjoy doing. And we're really grateful that we have the opportunity to do. All right, you so enjoyed that- enough to wrestle a hundred chickens a day. I mean, <laughs> I'd say that's that says something. So so that's how we got started. So what's the present? What's happening right now? And then we want to talk about what's the future of, of meeting the need in our village. But we also want to talk about y'all's future and where, where, that, where your roads are taking you here. Because, you know, one of my mentors used to say success without a successor isn't success. But you guys have ensured that there is some successors to follow, um, follow behind you and follow along with you and succeed you. So where are we at right now with meeting the need in our village? So just a couple weeks ago, we had our official elections meeting. So we elected our six members of our board of directors and then four uh, leadership team officers. So president, vice president, secretary and treasurer, and then um, 16 other leadership team members, youth and adult. Um, And that's our way of providing uh, longevity and sustainability to meeting the need for our village. to make sure that, yeah, when Pearl and I are, are in college in far too less than a year, um, that, right. that this continues well. Right, right. So that's right now. And you and didn't I hear, too, um, didn't I hear, Pearl, that you guys are organizing yourself into a 501c3? Yes, yep, that that is um, the end goal. And that's something that we're really excited about. We're very excited that... Um, you have offered to help us kind of get get that status, and we're we're very excited and very grateful for that. And that's something that we're yeah we're really striving to work towards right now. So, now, well, that's the chairman of the board of uh, the right. food bank council over there. I, you know, the next question I always have for everyone who wants to start a nonprofit is, how much do you like fundraising? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it. 
you're going to learn to like it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it it is and and of course fundraising, food raising, that's that is this work and so uh I would just simply say it's it, it's it's not as bad as you might think. People people are amazing on every front, right? People who who will resonate with you and who will want an opportunity to make a difference and what you're doing is so concrete. I think you'll find it to be uh not too onerous. Yeah. So I am happy that the Food Bank Council, we made an investment in um, Addie and Pearl and meeting the need in our village. And one of our one of our attorneys, Aaron Matthews, is uh, working with you guys to uh, file the paperwork and uh, get everything lined up so that you'll be official. Yes. Right? Yes. And that, I guess that was why the elections, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we had an elections of our board of directors, which is legally what we need to become a 501c3. And then we also approved bylaws, a mission, a vision. We have our articles of incorporation. Now we just need to put them together. Okay, cool. And are the adults manageable? <laughs> I mean, well. you know, I, I heard you got some youth and some adults. I mean, are they okay? Are you, you know... Yes, yes. We have some wonderful adults who are, are very supportive and um, very encouraging um, for for us um, and then for the new youth who are coming into the project as well. So we're very excited. So we got to take a break here pretty quick and uh, come back for our last segment. And I want to know about, you know, what's next for you guys. But I also want to know what's, you know, I, I want you to talk to us a little bit about the people that you're serving and what the reaction is. Um because, you know, in my own life, I went through a time uh, where it was not easy to provide for my own family. And um, and, at, and the story's been told here on this show. Um, we got a bridge card. Me and my two sons got a bridge card, and we went to the grocery store and bought, I think the bridge card had $97 on it, and we bought $96.49 worth of meat. You know, because it it is so expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And and yet such a, a great part of the my plate, you know, balanced diet. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Reactions of the people that you're serving, and then what's next for you? That's Jerry Brisson. That's Addie Battle. That's Pearl Dascom. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and this is Food First Michigan. First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson, our guest, Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom. They are the uh, co-founders of Meeting the Need in Our Village. And before Jerry, you jump in here, I got. Can you tell our listeners exactly where Meeting the Need and where's the village? Where where are we at here? Yeah, what's the town? Yeah, so most of the work that we do is in Cass City, Michigan, so kind of in the middle of the thumb. But. Right. Okay. So now we got a little geographical reference. Jerry? So the people you're serving. So give us a little bit of insight into what you're what you're seeing out there in terms of the people coming for help. Um when I think of the people who come to the to the food pantry, I think of um, one particular dad who I know in the community because his son attends the same school as my little brothers. Um, and a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the food pantry clients are, you know, they like they like to come and go. They they like to um, just come get their box and then go. But but this one particular dad is always excited to say hi to me. Um, and it's really touching to me to know 
what um, what effect the box that he takes home I know must have on his family. It touches me. Hmm. Yeah, I think for me, um, whenever I whenever I'm at the food pantry, um, all the families that are coming in, everybody who is coming in as a customer, and anyone who's there and involved in our project, we try to treat, we try to treat them with um, dignity and with respect, no matter where they're coming from, no matter where they're at in their walks of life, and we really want to um, just give them a hand up and not a handout. And so that's one thing that um, we we really try to do and, and to treat all the customers with with respect and, and dignity. Um, yeah, like I said, no matter no matter where they're coming from. Right. So to someone who's never been to a food pantry, who might have some preconceived ideas about it, right? They they might be thinking to themselves, this is the guy that says we'll work for food on the sign by the side of the road. Or, you know, this person looks maybe like a lazy person who just doesn't want to get a job. How would you respond to that? What would you say to somebody that might have those preconceived notions based on your experience? Um, I absolutely think that that all of the food pantry clients, um, first of all, they're always very thankful for what's available to them at the food pantry. Um, And always, um, they are trying their hardest in life. And and we all come across hardships that that are hard to bounce back from. and and so I would say these are people who are who are coming to the food pantry for help, and I feel very blessed to be part of that community who's who's able to help when they need it because I know that often they're the same types of people who are going to, to turn around and help um, as soon as they're able. Yeah, I th- I think um, one thing that is uh, important to remember too is that. Um, it, a lot of the times it only takes one thing to throw you right. um, into that situation. Right. And I think it's really important to, to keep that in mind and to, um, yeah, just, just show dignity and, and, and respect. And like Addie said, they're, they're very thankful um, and encouraged when they come to the food pantries oftentimes. And we do get to see a lot of... A lot of the customers um, who, as soon as they have something to give back to the food pantry, they do. Like I know one lady who teaches knitting, and she she will bring knitted blankets to back to the food pantry, um, and that yarn was wow. donated to her um, or given to her by the food pantry, and that's something that that is really exciting and really empowering to see. Yeah, yeah, we we often have uh, heard the story about the folks who are coming to the pantry because they're in need. But then they turn around and want to try to meet a need, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think too that the emphasis that you have on um, uplifting someone that's in need um, is something that is of high value for the food bank council and our seven feeding America food banks here in the state. And that is, we really want, uh, as you said, Pearl, that we want it. We want people to experience this with dignity. Mm-hmm. In fact, we have it as a part of our mission statement that, um, you know, we want to create food security. But And people, when they have access to healthy, nutritious food, through dignified means. So mm-hmm. something that, that adds, you know, uh, as I said earlier, adds a blessing, not a burden. And, Jerry, you've talked about here on the show that... The hesitancy that people have of seeking help and right. waiting too late. It always is the case. I mean, way, way more often people wait too long. And it's because they're embarrassed, right? I mean, there's no question about it. People, we're a very independent 
oriented nation. We just are, and we're proud of ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very good thing, except when it's a bad thing. (laughs) And it's a bad thing when you need help and you don't want to ask for it, right? So it makes such a huge difference to have efforts like yours, which are emphasizing to people it's okay. We know this is a temporary point in your life. We want to make a difference now because I find the quicker we can help people, the quicker they get to the next success in their life, mm-hmm. right? And so speed is important. you got to get to people fast. And so when they know coming to a place isn't going to be terrible, that they're going to be able to get what they need and move on, it's going to move them along faster. Yeah. And that's what they want, right? Yeah. So let's talk about moving along faster here. Pearl, um, what's next? Where, where are you at in school right here? And then what's, what's the horizon look like? Yeah, so um, I'm currently a senior in high school right now, um, which is exciting and scary at the same time. Um, but because of um, my involvement in meeting the need for our village, um, I really found a passion for nutrition, and so um, I'm going to. I'm accepted into Central Michigan University, actually. Um, and Fire up chips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, to study nutrition with the end goal of becoming a registered dietitian. And like I said, that passion really stemmed from meeting the need for our village and the nutrition work that I've done through the project. Right. That's excellent. Um, well. You will be, uh, Central Michigan University will be uh, enhanced uh, (laughs) by you being there. So I I have on my team a nutritionist Mm -hmm. uh, on the Food Bank Council, Kate Squire. And uh, and of all the state associations across Feeding America, um, across the, uh, the entire nation, there's only two state associations that have a nutritionist. But many, many, many of our food banks do. And oh, yeah, I rely on them. <laughs> I rely on them. We have great nutritionists at Cleaners and f- helping people not not just get the food, but know what to do with it right. uh, is is very, very important. And so, and part of the reason is because we get food donated that's all kinds of food. Yes. <laughs> and it's not obvious what you should do with it, right? right. So, so it's not that people haven't been trained to cook or anything. It's that sometimes we get really odd things, you know, right. pickled lemon rinds. You know, I mean, what are you going to do with that, right? So yeah. anyway. Yeah, I just still don't know what to do with the winter squash. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not from a lack of them being distributed, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. So, um, okay, Addie, what's up for you? I just applied to, or applied a while ago to Michigan State University, um, waiting anxiously to hear back, but I hope to attend for a four-year animal science degree. Um, part of this project has really sparked my passion for animal agriculture, but animal agriculture's potential to make a difference in food security. So um, my passion lies in international development um, and agriculture policy. So I'm hoping to um, somehow find a way to meld those. I know that um, regardless of where I end up, I'll feel fulfilled if I'm getting food to people who need it through animal agriculture. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, we know some people at MSU, so, uh, yeah, Doctor, well, I think we got a few calls to make. Not yeah. that you need our help. I can already no. tell the odds are pretty good. But I said fire up chips. I better say go green. Right? Yeah, so, so we've had on this show uh, from Michigan State University, uh, Dean Ron Hendricks. He's the School of Agriculture. So, Dean, let's... 
pick up that uh, <laughs> paste on that acceptance letter there, buddy. So uh, you can follow him on Twitter, too. I'll give you that to you later. But, um, yeah, so congratulations to you both. And um, so for me, I think uh, I talk a lot about this in, in these terms, that all of us get one handful of life, and we have to decide whether we're going to invest it or we're going to spend it. Now that I've gotten a little bit older, I think we should probably do a little bit of both. And so, but we have to invest in things that are bigger than we are and that will last longer than we do. And that's how we know that our life, we've lived a life of significance. Mm. So I've just was not, it took me a lifetime to learn that. You guys got that down when you were 12 years old, <laughs> a life of significance. And so we're going to look for, uh, we're going to, we're, you know, we're not going to like, you know, um, what's the word, tag you or something, uh, you know, so, but we're going to watch your life. We're gonna, we want to see where it goes from here. And we're also going to follow the success of meeting the need in our village because I think you brought some succession planning down with you today, and they're here in the studio as well, and it yes. looks like it's going to be in great hands. Well, thank you. Yeah, and thank you for all that you guys are doing and for yeah having us here today. We're, we're very excited about the future of meeting the need for our village and, yeah, fighting, fighting food insecurity. Yep. Addie, last word? Um, yeah, thank you for having us. Um, personally, I, I love sharing this story. I'm really happy that, that a lot more people are going to be able to hear this story, and I hope that they feel inspired to, maybe it's not food security, but whatever it is that um, makes you angry enough to do something about it, I hope you feel inspired to do that. Excellent. Well, thanks for being our guest today. Jerry, Jerry Rasan and I will be back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, Jerry. That's uh, Addie and Pearl. And um, so the first, there's so much to talk about here, right? But the first thing I want to I want to do is is highlight the real time, first hand experience that Addie talked about regarding nutrition and cognitive development. And we we have talked a lot about food first and we've talked about early childhood and we have partnerships with them and with education but i'm telling you food first has to become a concept in these programs and i don't mean tomorrow well um when you hear a first-hand account and somebody who's now living with the cost of not putting food first, right? right. And, and we can talk about financial cost, and that's important, and we do talk about it. Sure. But I want to just touch on emotional cost. Now, we got to see um, these young women's mothers in the studio with them. Right. And if you looked in that mother's eyes as she started thinking about her child who is suffering from a the consequences of lack of proper nutrition. And you know that this woman is spending her life doing everything she can to give this child a fighting chance. This adopted child for them. And, yeah. um, and so that it's, it's hard to describe the emotional reality of that, but I'm telling you there's a cost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you could see it, and Addie did an excellent job explaining it, but it was, uh, I, again, a real-time first-hand account of it and it's just not a policy that can stay where it's at it's got to move it's got to move, move now got a food first so but wow i mean 
12 years old and look around and see the need in their community and then go, well, let's do something about it. I'll tell you, not many of us have chickens in our backyard. And and I'm just going to say this. It is more than a notion to raise animals. It is more than a notion. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline. Oh. It's messy, right? You're cleaning up all the time. Right. And and it's, uh, it's a commitment that's even... Uh, for most of us, unimaginable, right? Right. But I will say, uh, it is something they could do. And they focused on what they could do. And we know they got support from their families and support from their community to do it. It's not like any of us live in a vacuum. But boy, when we put our mind to it and decide to do something, it's amazing what we can do. So here's another thing I think we can learn from Addie and from Pearl. They didn't look at the 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 work going on in the community with any negativity, they went at it to see how they could enhance it. Yep. Yep. So I think there's a lot of leadership lessons right there um, that influence our work and that, you know, what eyes, what's the lens that we're seeing this work through and the people who are doing this work, they had nothing but positive things to say about the two pantries that were trying to meet the need in their community, and they weren't critical of them because maybe they didn't have the, the right balance of food. They were doing the best they could, and instead of looking at that as a complaint, they said, what can we do about it to enhance it? And I think more of that and less of the other is something we could take away from Addie and Pearl. Well, a uh, 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 doctor I know once said, it's a lot better to fix the problem than to fix the blame. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you put yourself to fixing the problem rather than fixing the blame, you end up with a much better place to be. And I think there's no question about that. I, uh, You know, I have to say one more thing about our studio audience. We don't often have a studio audience, but today we had the two mothers uh-huh. and two of the sisters right. here sitting sitting in the studio. And, uh, and so I got to look um, just from where I sit. I got to look. I got to watch the reactions, right? Right. Have you seen more pride in your life? Oh no, and 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 well deserved. And well deserved, and I mean the the genuine warmth and smiles and just the 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 love in the room. It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming, and I know my words don't do justice to it, but no, the truth but of the matter is um, that kind of love. When when we talk about you know uh, the things that matter. Right. That kind of love is going to move mountains. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's so rich the, that what we can learn as a movement, uh, this is part of our movement. And, um, and, and, you know, and if you need a little inspiration about the coming generation, oh, my gosh, meet Addie Battle and Pearl Dascom. Meet them because whatever you might have in your thought process about the coming generation and irresponsibility or any of those other things, that, get, that how they get labeled, these two young women, these two young leaders will inspire you. And in fact, they did inspire you, a guy who's been doing this work for 30 years. Yeah, and it, it, it is, absolutely. It, it gives me energy. And I know I'm well known for my energy, <laughs> but uh, but it gives me energy. It helps, it helps define my purpose today, tomorrow, and the next day as I think about the joy of this work. And there's a lot of suffering in this work, and I'm not going pretend to pretend it away, but I will tell you the joy of it far outweighs 
far outweighs the cost of it. And, right. uh, and you know, the joy comes from meeting people like this. It comes from seeing the difference you can make. And, uh, and you know, not just, you know, it's during the holiday season, we're all thinking about this. It's really important that we do. But I promise you, you don't raise a pig just during the holiday season. Right? <laughs> no. you you got to be working at it. Or a hundred chickens. <laughs> That's right. you got to be working at it. But, you know, the, the payoff is so huge. And so uh, I it, it's... Yeah, I, I can't help but be inspired. Let me see if I can connect the dots a little bit here. So um, in the previous administration, the Snyder administration, uh, Governor Snyder had a person on his team. Her name's Corey Utley. And she was uh, the governor's advance person. So she went wherever he was going first, right? Make sure everything was cool and groovy. We know her. I just know her from our family. So she now works for MEDC, and, but she sits on the board of the um, Governor's Service Awards. So she met Addie and Pearl because Addie and Pearl received this year one of the Governor's Service Awards. And when she met them, she thought of us, and Corey called me and said, oh my gosh, Phil, you have to meet Addie and Pearl. And she told me the story, and I couldn't even hardly believe it. What? 12 years old? Come on. Nope. And so they came down to the food bank council. I sat down with them. We chatted and it was powerful. So I just, you know, it's about the relationships and it's about the network. Yeah, no question. I guess it's time for a little food for thought. (laughs) There are so many with this show. But I promised you I'd tell you what Edmund Burke said. So after passing the bill that outlawed slavery across the British Empire... Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Then he said this, the worst mistake anyone ever makes is when they choose to do nothing because they think they can only do a little. And I think Pearl and Addie have convinced us that even if you think you can only do a little, a little's a lot in this work. So please, Don't let doubt, means, or anything else get so far into your thoughts that you're paralyzed for doing what's in your heart to do. Those thoughts, dreams, ideas, and notions are there for a reason, to do good and to do it now. That's this edition of Food First Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, it really is food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.